Welcome to the Allow Me to Clarify podcast. If you are a returning listener, thank you as always. Your continued support truly means so much to me. If you are new here, then welcome to you as well. I'm so glad that something led you here today. And a brief summary of what to expect on this podcast as a whole is something that will inspire you and encourage you to open your mind and to open your heart to live your fullest potential. These are stories of people who have done just that. They have blasted through societal expectations, through their own external circumstances, through their own fears, through their own quote unquote shortcomings, and really decided to take accountability and take their lives into their own hands to cultivate the most purposeful, intentional, and fulfilling reality that they can for themselves. And my goal is that these stories inspire you to do the same in your own way for yourself. So I've got an amazing guest on with me today who has done just that. Her name is Riley Molinario, and she really is an expert in all things love and relationships. We dive deep into the topics of compassion, accountability within relationships, the actual science behind relating to other people. And I do just want to make it very clear that this is not only an episode for people who are actively in romantic relationships. This can apply to all relationships, platonic, work relationships. Yes, of course, romantic relationships, but ultimately relating to other people and the emotional intelligence behind that are at the core of who we are as humans and the way that we experience life. So I think this is a must listen to episode for everybody. And the last note that I do just want to share is a trigger warning. There is talk of suicide in this episode when we do dive into Riley's personal story. So please just be aware of the heaviness of what does come up in this episode. But if that is something that you can manage to listen to, I do highly recommend this episode. It is very powerful. It's encouraging. And Riley is just a wealth of knowledge. All of her information can be found in the notes section of this podcast, so definitely be sure to connect with her after the fact as well. And if you enjoy this, be sure to give a review, rate the episode, and I will stop talking now so you can actually enjoy the episode. Hi, Riley. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I am really excited just to talk all things love and relationships and, you know, to me, authentic, compassionate connecting today. And I think one of the reasons I'm so excited is, yes, of course, you are definitely an expert and focused on romantic relationships and how this plays a role in that realm. But I think you and I are both aware, like, relating to other people is just such a core piece of being a human in general. (laughs) Absolutely. We truly understand that the quality of our lives are dependent on the quality of our relationships. Exactly what you said, the way that we connect with others, we're not out here in the world alone. We have friends, we have family, we have colleagues, we have 
people in front of us at the supermarket. We're constantly interacting with other people. And so it's really important to be able to master the relationships that we have with other people. But even before that, the most important relationship that we have to learn to master is the one with ourselves. It is a type of relationship, the way that we relate to ourselves. And that is truly going to take us to success or it's going to allow us to suffer. 100% agree. I think being in a long-term relationship myself, I'm, you know, we're over a decade together at this point and I can for sure speak to that. When we started dating, we were 19 years old, you know, we were kids and it's one of those things where I, that was my first true relationship, you know, at the time I'm like trying to figure out how to be in connection with another person and consider another person's needs with all of these big decisions in my life. And I have, you know, realized obviously as time goes on, the relationship to self is such a critical component. And I mean, we can definitely dive into what that even means, but it's, it's essential to know who you are, what you value how you get triggered and flare up in situations, what you actually need to feel loved and nurtured and supported the way that you like to love and nurture and support other people. Those are really important things to actually consciously make sure that you are clear on and not just, you know, quote unquote, think, you know, without actually sitting down and and actually reflecting on it. Absolutely. I mean, this is something that we're not taught how to do. And so what I say is that most people are alive, but they're not living on purpose. Mm -hmm. So usually when we wake up in the morning, our brain is on autopilot. We're thinking about what happened yesterday. We're fearful of tomorrow. We're going through our to-do list, sort of just trying to check those boxes. Okay. I have to brush my teeth. I have to go to work. I have to feed the kids. I have to clean the house, right? We're, We're on this autopilot setting and we don't you we don't often pick our head up and say hold on a second am i living on purpose is this the life that i want to live have i created this life consciously for myself is this the best that i can possibly have because no one is going to do it for you nobody is coming to save you no one is coming to say hey do you want an upgrade in life you know you set that bar for yourself and a lot of people don't realize that you have to do it consciously. And we're taught in society, you know, to get a good job, be a good person, have kids, get married, again, checking those boxes, but we're not taught how to dream and how to go after these amazing things that we can have for our lives so that we are enjoying the experience rather than sort of just struggling through it. You know, I work with a lot of stay-at-home moms who are amazing mothers. They're wonderful women. But so often we have these conversations where I ask them, when did you plan out your life? Is the life that you're living now the one that you've decided and created for yourself? And they're like, well, what are you talking about? I just, you know, I got to an age where I said, okay, it's time to have kids. Okay, it's time to get married. Okay, I guess the next step is to get a house, you know, but there was no what I call vision. So they didn't create consciously. This is the life that I want to live. This is what I want to do on a day-to-day basis. This is the kind of interactions that I want to have. Okay, now what steps do I need to take me there? They just sort of wake up every day and put one foot in front of the other. And it's it's showing to not be enough for them. 
Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I think, yes, that's not even a romantic relationship example of how sometimes we can abandon our own needs when we do get so caught up in the flow of life, whether it's through a relationship, like being a a parent, a mother, or just getting so caught up in your job or getting so caught up to your earlier point, just in the day-to-day maintenance, basically, to keep up this life that we have created that in, I believe, most people's cases wasn't very intentional in a lot of ways. Um, I know that's exactly what happened to me several years ago. I woke up and literally just felt like that kind of slap to the face of, wait, is this, is this where I've landed? Like, is this what the rest of my life is going to look like for the next 30, 40 years? Because if I don't change anything on my day-to-day basis, then it is, Um, you know, it was one of those things where, yeah, we can have these dreams and goals, but at the end of the day, if you're not behaving and thinking differently on a daily basis, back to your point of that conscious effort, nothing's actually going to change (laughs) in your life. And that's scary. I felt, I felt very much that sense of abandonment, um, in terms of that relationship with myself of to serve my clients, my customers at the time in this way, but I like completely am disregarding my own needs it's it's a it's a weird realization but if you have felt that you know what i'm talking about in whatever your version of that is and i think it's it's so important and i love that you are now teaching people how to you know work through that yes within relationships but again that's going to trickle over into every other area of their lives too when they know how to have relational intelligence basically Um, so I would love to hear, we're, we're going to dive into all of that deeper, but I would love to hear first, because I'm always so curious to hear, like, there's so many reasons that you could be drawn into relationship coaching. So I, I'm curious, you know, how, why, when were you drawn to support other people in this way? When I was an infant, I was abandoned by my father and he left me to sleep in the snow. I then grew up with my mother and my stepfather in this extremely abusive and neglectful household. The first relationships that I ever saw were toxic ones, beyond toxic. They were abusive. And at 16, I decided I I can't do this anymore. This isn't working for me. I had so much anxiety and depression. So I left home at 16 years old and I started to create this new life for myself. But I didn't really know what trauma was. I didn't really know what the scars were going to be from that experience. I just simply thought, well, if I move locations, my life is going to get better. Mm-hmm. You know, so I got myself into university. I studied two degrees. I was able to get a house and a car. I was even investing in the stock market. On the outside, it looked like everything was great because I was checking those boxes. But on the inside, I was miserable. I was suffering from that trauma. I had anxiety, depression. I had a binge eating disorder. I mean, that relationship with myself was not there. And so I was so focused on the exterior things, get a, get a good job, get a house, get a car. But inside I was miserable. So I was alive, but I wasn't living on purpose. So <clears throat> it got so bad that at one point I decided that I was going to take my life. 
I said, I cannot experience this amount of suffering for any longer. And that was such an important moment for me because I saw myself, I was, I was in my early twenties. I saw myself and said, is this going to be the rest of my life? I'm going to have all of these things, but I'm going to feel this misery and feel this void. And so I said, I I don't want to do it anymore. I'm going to take my life. Well, in that moment, right before making that decision, I asked myself, is it possible to create a new existence? Does this have to be my life just because it is? Or is there a way to create a new existence? And so I said, you know what? I have nothing to lose. It doesn't get any worse than wanting to take your own life, right? So mm-hmm. why not try? Why not try? Why, why not see what happens? So that's when I started to realize that the first thing that I had to do to change my life was to change my mind. It was to change the relationship that I had with myself. It was to change the voice inside of my head, the things that I was telling myself, the way that I was responding. So when I was in school, I was labeled as academically gifted. I was book smart. And when you leave home at 16, you become street smart. So I had the book smarts and the street smarts, but I realized that there was something even more important. And that's what we call relationship intelligence. So that's the ability to have these very strong relationships with yourself and with other people. This was more important because yes, I could have a great job and I can live in a big house and I can have a lot of money, but who is that person with those experiences? And so that's when I went on my journey to really nurture and grow that relationship with myself and the relationships that I had with other people. And along my journey, I realized, hold on a second, I'm not the only one. Most people are suffering because they have terrible relationships. Number one, with themselves, number two, with their partner, and number three, with everyone else. So it became my mission to say, you know what? Society is setting us up for failure. Someone has to come in and say, this is not enough. We deserve better. We're raising the bar. We are changing the way that we interact with ourselves and the relationships that we have with other people. I love that. There's so much in that. And I think that's such a succinct way of putting all together, like why you dove into this. So thank you for being vulnerable and and sharing that level of depth, because I do think that's a beautiful way to kind of view one of, if not the most desperate point you can be at in your life of saying, you know, maybe instead of with you know, without being insensitive, instead of killing myself, literally, I can kill this old version of myself and be reborn as a new version that feels much more authentic and much more real and much more loved by me. And I think that's probably one of the most courageous things I've ever heard. And such a beautiful thing that you can now share with other people because you understand that and you get that, you know what that feeling feels like, which is huge. Um, and I, I'm excited to dive into just relationship intelligence deeper. I know that a big piece of that, that you focus on is that like conflict resolution, problem solving piece where, you know, I I believe you say like, there's no reason that we should be quote unquote fighting specifically the word, the energy surrounding fighting in general. So I, I definitely want to hear your thoughts on just like what 
that means exactly, you know, cause I think everybody fights from time to time. So I would, I would love to hear how we get around that. <laughs> we have so many limiting beliefs when it comes to relationships. And this is why I decided to focus on the relationship we have with ourselves and the relationship that we have with our partner, because these are the two most intimate relationships we will ever have. When we are looking at partnership, we have to understand that there are, there is a gap with what is true and what we know. So when people come into my audience, the first question that I ask them is, when did you learn how to have a thriving relationship? Who taught you? Did your parents sit you down, open a book and say, this is the formula for success? Did they teach you how to have a successful relationship the same way they taught you how to tie your shoes and count to two? And people will say, well, no, they never taught me that. So then did you learn in school? Did you take a class called relationship intelligence or thriving relationships 101? And they'll say, well, no. And so my question is, where did you learn? And usually we are learning from TV from picking up a little bit of what our parents did, from society, from the movies, the music, all of these really uh, improper sources. Because there is fact and there is fiction. And the fact comes from science. The facts come from when we are able to study relationships on a scientific level. So relationship intelligence, the way that I teach it, it has been studied the same way that we study water and electricity and all of these things. So we do have a formula for success. The same way that we know one plus one equals two, you know, red and yellow equal orange, we have a formula for success. So when it comes to fighting in relationships, everyone thinks that that fighting is normal. And there will be so many people who will confirm that. They'll say, yes, fighting is normal. You just have to fight less or fight less intensely. And my question to that is, what is the benefit in fighting? Because there isn't one. And people will say, no, but when we fight, we open up to each other. We get through things. We work through things. We are vulnerable. And and then we repair from that fight. And my question is, can you have all the benefits of what you just explained without the fighting? And the answer is 100% yes. So the fighting itself is the resentment, the frustration, the anger, the tears, the sadness, Who would choose that if you can get the benefits without having any of that? And no one enjoys fighting, you know? So why would we choose that? It it becomes a choice once you have the technique. So how do you have a relationship without fighting? Because it's possible to have zero fighting in your relationships, zero. What you have to do is you have to understand that problems are a part of life, right? We accept them. They just are. So when you have a problem in your relationship, whether it's in the relationship or things outside like a pandemic, a loss in the family, what you have to do is understand that a problem can be turned into a solution. You just have to have a technique to go from problem to solution with compassion, with active listening, with support, with all of those amazing elements of effective communication. How do we get from problem to solution? Finding a solution that works for both of us every single time. It might be stressful going through that process. That is okay. You might have two differences of opinion of, I think we should do A, I think we should do B. That's okay. You might have, you know, 
struggles trying to work out what is the solution for this. You may have to try five or six things before you find a solution, but you know what? You can do it a hundred percent without the screaming, without the resentment, without the defensiveness, without the criticism, because those things in themselves have zero benefit on the relationship. Zero. It actually deteriorates the bond every single time you fight, you're chipping away at the foundation. So the question simply is, is there a way that we can go from problem to solution without any of the fighting, but with compassion, love, understanding? And actually, every time we go through that process, we strengthen the relationship as opposed to chip away at that foundation. I love that. And I for sure see that play out in my own relationships as well. I mean, I think I will not like lie over here and pretend that we didn't have years where we were definitely having real fights going on. Like, honestly, not a ton, (laughs) but, but still they would be defined as that if we had to put a label on them. But in the past several years, we have really made a point to not do that because to your point, it's painful and it's not necessary, especially when we can both sit here when we're not emotionally charged and say, I respect you and I do support you. And I want to hear your point of view. I want to compromise with you. I want to get to the solution together, not separately. And I think that's easy to say again, when we're not emotionally charged. So then my, my next question to you is, how do you, I guess, navigate that piece when people are getting super emotionally charged and triggered, if you want to use like the buzzword by certain things, like, do you recommend stepping away and coming back together to do this conflict resolution when they're not in that state or what's the workaround for that? So when it when it comes to relationships, it's hard not to react when you're in a reactive state. <laughs> when it comes to relationship intelligence, it's really important to understand that it's something that we have to study, we have to practice, because it's not something that comes naturally to us. Again, society has taught us really bad habits. A lot of us have terrible habits. And so we have to rewire our brain and rewire the way that we function. So it is going to take time. It is going to take practice. It's like if you are a person who is obese and you want to get in shape, it's not going to just be, you know, I read one quote and all of a sudden I'm on this path. It takes practice and dedication and hard work. So there's a lot of different things that we can do there. The first thing that we can do is practice the first two parts of relationship intelligence, which is self-awareness and self-management. If I see myself getting frustrated, if I see myself getting overwhelmed, you know, my heart starts beating, my breath gets shallow, I need to recognize I'm getting frustrated. I'm not able to have this conversation right now. Or I need to tone it down a little bit so that I don't get into that place. So recognizing how you feel in the moment is that self-awareness. And the second step is self-management. I'm feeling frustrated. What am I going to do about it? I can either allow myself a moment to calm down or I can do what I call effective pausing. So it is okay to take a break when you are in uh, that situation. If you start to feel yourself get stressed, it is okay to take a break. But the way that we take breaks is completely wrong. 
And again, it fuels into that negativity. What what do we usually do? I can't talk about this anymore. Throw up my hands, slam the door, go in the bedroom, wait for my partner to come in and apologize, right? That's what we typically do. Mm -hmm. What we need to do is understand there are three steps to effective pausing. Number one, you look at your partner in the eyes, maybe even hold their hands and tell them exactly how you feel. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling really frustrated. I feel like I'm going to you know, lose it, whatever it is. Let them know how you're feeling and tell them that you need a break. Step two is to then do something that is self-soothing. So what do we tend to do? We'll call our friend and say, you won't believe what he did. I can't believe. You'll feed into that negativity, making it worse. What we want to do is self-soothe and bring that energy down. Writing, going for a walk, yoga, meditation, whatever is going to allow us to calm down. And step three is that We have to understand that if we are the one to walk away, we have to be the one to come back. When we come back, we show our partner a lot of praise, a lot of appreciation. Thank you for understanding. Thank you for giving me that space. I really, you know, this is important to me. I want to get through this. We're going to get through this and let's talk about it now. So there's lots of different tools that we can use in order to move through this problem solving technique with that peace and with that love. I think one of the most important things that allows us to navigate our problems with this compassion and with this ease is understanding that when you are in a relationship, it's never partner one versus partner two. We always think it's me versus you. I have to be right. And if I'm right, that means you're wrong. If I see a a situation a certain way. You must see it that way because if you don't see it that way, that means that I'm wrong and I'm not wrong, right? So we get into this idea that it's me versus you, but you have to understand that a, a relationship is a union between two people that are creating a life together. You know, a power couple is a couple that is deeply in love and able to navigate their relationship successfully. They use the power of their relationship to create the life that they love. They are partners. And so it's not partner one versus partner two, but rather the couple versus the problem. How are we as a team going to take on the world and create this amazing life together? And guess what? Along the way, You're going to get on my nerves. I'm going to get on your nerves. We're going to have problems. We're going to have issues, but we can work it out the same way. If you're not in a relationship, if you're a single person, you have to understand that problems are a part of life. They just are. There's going to be losses, you know, of jobs, losses of family. You're going to go broke every now and again. You know, you're going to lose weight, gain weight. You're going to get hit by a bus. I mean, problems are just a part of life. Everyone has them. So as soon as you accept that, that that is part of the game, you don't get frazzled. You just say, okay, a problem has come. Let's be solution focused. How do we get through this? Yep. I really appreciate all of that. Like I, I, again, I'm thinking of everything through the lens of my own relationships. Obviously that's how we make sense of the world around us. But a couple of things came to mind during that of just ways that I feel like those techniques and those methods have showed up maybe, I guess, <laughs> unconsciously. Um, but in hindsight, I can see how we implemented those things in my romantic relationship, in other relationships as well. Um, I can say a big shift that happened for me within relationships was actually after reading a, I don't even remember which, which Brene Brown book this was, but 
she has a line in there that has totally changed the game, whether I say it out loud or just recognize it within my head of instead of being accusatory to your point of you versus me saying, when I feel that frustration coming up, when I can viscerally feel my body reacting to what whatever emotion is coming up and it's, it's not what I want to be feeling. The story I'm telling myself is, is like the line out of the Brene Brown book. And it takes the, you're making me blah, blah, blah out of the situation. It's not a accusatory. It's not pointing the finger. It's not saying you're being the bad guy and I'm the victim here. It's saying the story I'm telling myself is that you don't want this to happen because because I'm not good enough to, to make it work or because X, Y, and Z. And it's basically letting the other person know that they're pulling out that you know quote unquote negative emotion within you or that emotion that you don't want to feel. And it's like, hey, I'm getting frustrated and I don't want to lash out at you, but I'm letting you know this is why what you're saying is upsetting me. And every single time I have approached a could-be argument in that way, it has instantly, no joke, instantly diffused. Because the other person, when I'm in relationships where there's respect on both ends, they are not ever coming at a situation without having good intentions behind them. It's like, oh no, I'm trying to protect both of us here. It's not that I don't trust you. It's that I'm scared or like their own emotions back to the relationship with self then come up and we can both then support each other with whatever is actually lying under the surface of that reaction that's coming out. I hope that made sense. That's kind of hard to articulate. Yes, absolutely. You know, and it's really important to understand relationships are are actually not difficult. And when I say this, people are like, but you don't know my relationship. You don't know what I've been through. Trust me, I've been there. I've had some terrible relationships in my past. I know that they can be, and they tend to be because we don't know what we're doing. So I, I sort of explain relationships in this manner that if I were to ask you to speak to me in Chinese, you would be like, Riley, I don't speak Chinese. And it's too difficult. You know, <clears throat> it's a difficult language. But if I give you a book and a tutor and I send you to China, you will eventually speak Chinese. People in China speak Chinese, you know? And so it's just about having those tools and techniques and having that education. Once we have the education, we realize that relationships are actually very simple. They're very, very simple. And the things that I teach my audience and I teach my clients, I could teach to a five-year-old. I mean, it is that simple that we are, you know, we're even working towards in my business to implement relationship intelligence into the school system, because there's no reason why we shouldn't know this by the time we're 30, 40, 50 years old, you know, and it's simply just the idea that we're suffering because of ignorance, not because we're bad people, not because we enjoy it. You know, when when you're shouting at your partner and your partner's shouting at you and you're frustrated and they're frustrated, you're both suffering. No one is like, yes, this is exactly what I wanted, right? You're both suffering. And it's simply because of the ignorance, because in those moments of tension, you don't know what to do. You don't know what to do. You don't know what to say. You know, you've asked a friend, you've asked in a forum, you see something on TV and you mimic that behavior, not realizing that you're implementing really bad tools, 
you're trying to cut down a tree with a napkin. Like it's just not going to work, right? <laughs> it's just not going to work. When you get frustrated and when you get frustrated, it makes it even worse, right? So it's it's really about understanding that relationships, I promise you, they are very simple. They're very, very simple if you know what you're doing. And if you get that right education, we have to be very careful of where we get our information from. I run a women's group of almost 26,000 women now. And they constantly post their questions and ask for advice. And I think in, in theory, it's a great idea. And they do get a lot of differences of opinion and, and different support. But I always caution them before you actually implement any of those ideas, you have to cross-reference them with science. <laughs> because yes, if if you know, if I ask you a question and you give me advice, it will give me something to think about. But just because 20 women told me that I should do it doesn't mean it actually works, right? So there's a difference between what is normal in society and what is actually factually true. So we have to be very careful before we implement anything because we have to know that this is actually going to work. Yeah, which I think is so interesting and such a cool approach because, you know, most people are not thinking about relationships in a scientific way, in a data-driven way. And I so agree with you that this is a skill set. This is something you can learn and that takes practice and that takes educating yourself. And unfortunately, to your point, that doesn't exist just out in the wild today. Like we have to take an effort and actually go and do that if we're going to learn about it in an appropriate way, to your point, like in a way that's actually going to work and be tangible and, and give us real proven tools and techniques that we can use. So I I know this is obviously like what you actually teach and work with and whatnot, but I'm curious if you have any hot tips that you can share of, you know, any of these kind of scientific techniques that you do share with people that, or even just like fun facts, I guess, that, that are just interesting to know about how we relate to one another on that scientific level. Absolutely. I'll, I'll give you both. So one fun fact is that most couples are unhappy and we see couples in the wild and we think, you know, we see them on Instagram, we see them at the birthday party, we see them at dinner and they're happy and they're, most couples are unhappy. There was a study that said three out of five couples were unhappy, were admittedly unhappy. But we have to remember, even the two out of five that say they were happy, what is their definition of happiness? It probably includes, we fight sometimes, we argue sometimes, but at the end of the day, we're happy. So when we're talking about thriving relationships in my community, we're talking about the 1% of the 1%. These are couples who really, truly understand that relationship intelligence. They have created a relationship without fighting that has this really smooth way of allowing them to go through life with support, with compassion, with understanding, with all of those beautiful things that a relationship should have. Um, one of the things that I would say that you can start to use in your relationship is understanding two things. So the first thing is understanding that humans have the same basic human needs. We are constantly talking about how different we are. And I think especially now <clears throat> when we're talking about 
gender and race and all of these things. We're, we're looking about at, at how different we are. Men are like this. Women are like this. These people are like that. And they're like that. And I'm not like that. But when we understand that humans have the same basic human needs, we see how we're similar and we see how we can connect, which is a much easier way to coexist with someone. So in your relationship, you think, wow, we're so different. We're fighting because we want two completely different things. You don't understand me. You don't understand what it's like. But in actuality, you are so much more similar than you realize. Most of the time, you're actually arguing for the same thing. You want the same thing, right? It might not look like it on the surface, but you actually want the same thing. And what do you want? You want to feel seen. You want to feel heard. You want to feel safe. You want to feel loved. You want to feel protected. You So, you know, we all want those same things. We just might go about it in different ways. You can talk about Mother Teresa and a serial killer. They want the same thing. They go about it in completely different ways, right? But essentially, they want the same thing. So once we understand how to connect on our similarities, it allows us to navigate that relationship much more quickly. And something super practical that couples can do, communication is one of the weakest skills that couples have. And it's one of the most important ones that they need. So understanding that we have very, very, very short attention spans, very short. And as we have more technology, more social media, you know, even if you look at the movies from 40 years ago and you see that they had these really long clips, right? These really long scenes. Now it's like every two seconds, bum, 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 because we need to keep our attention. You know, even TikTok, it's like swipe, 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 swipe. So we have to understand that our attention span is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And so what we need to do is understand how to recognize that when we are communicating. So when you are in a conversation, you usually have about 10 seconds of an attention span. So when you're having this conversation with your partner, max it at two minutes. Do not talk longer than two minutes. And even two minutes is a really long time. But if you have to express, you know, what's on your chest, max it at two minutes and then ask your partner, you know, do you have, do you have anything to comment? Is there anything you want to say? You know, how do you feel? Give those breaks because our attention span is, it's too short. When you are in conversation, it's really important to understand how a conversation works. So a lot of people say, well, I'm a great communicator, but my partner isn't. And my question is, well, who are you communicating with? You know, because communication is a two-way street. You may be a good speaker, right? But, and you may be able to hear people, but communication requires two people because it's, it's the process of information going back and forth. So you either, either have effective communication in your relationship or you don't right? It doesn't matter if one of you does, you either have it as a couple or you don't. So how can we improve communication? Number one is we have to understand that there are two jobs. There's the listener and there's the speaker. You cannot do both at the same time. We try to, right? And so two of us are talking and no one is listening. You're not communicating. Communication has ended right there because two people are trying to take the same job at the same time. So we have to change that. One is speaking, one is listening. The speaker has the easier of the two jobs. They have to speak clearly, lovingly, you know, directly, all of that good stuff. The listener is the harder of the two jobs. It is important to practice active listening. 
Active listening is listening with the intent to understand. What does it mean to understand? People say, you don't understand me. I don't understand why you would do that, right? We can completely annihilate misunderstandings in a snap of a finger if we understand what understanding means. Understanding is simply being able to absorb the information and comprehend what it is that your partner is saying. So my husband can tell me that the sky is green and I can say, okay, I understand you. I completely disagree, but I understand you. I understand what it is that you're trying to tell me. And it also comes with acceptance. I have to accept that that is what my husband sees. Now we might have to go to the eye doctor. We might have to, you know, get him some glasses and things like that. But I have to accept that this is what my partner is telling me. This is their truth. This is their experience. So it's really important to understand the different elements of communication because communication is what is going to allow you to navigate all those ups and downs in your relationship. Uh, I so agree and just resonated with a lot of what you just said. I, I think I'm really glad that you brought up the fact that finding those commonalities is such a huge piece of relating. It goes back to just the you I think where when we when we're focusing on what the differences are and how we're not on the same page that's all we're going to see and that's all we're going to feel and that's all we're going to hear in a conversation and I think that is extra challenging in today's world when we are presented with so much polarity on a grand scale back to your point of like Putting the labels on our uniqueness is like such a theme right now, which is beautiful in many ways, but it's also, I think, making it more challenging in a lot of ways to remember that we are very similar on the most basic primal level. And I think people forget that. I think people get so caught up in the differences and being unique and being this and being that, that it's it's really challenging to relate to people when you have even one difference these days. And I think that's huge. I've learned for sure in in a lot of my relationships that exactly what you were mentioning earlier, so much of the time we're talking about the same thing. We're trying to get to the same point. We're coming at it from completely opposite ends of the spectrum. And it requires effective communication and active listening to actually hit the middle point and to get to that conclusion that we're both trying to get to, we're not going to get there if we're just screaming at each other and staying on our own sides of the spectrum, if you will. Um, So I love that you brought that up. I think those are really interesting and, and useful ways to actually have some techniques that we can apply within relationships, again, romantic or otherwise, like this works for single people as well, for sure. Um, and I did just, this is like something that's kind of occurring to me now. I'm curious what your thoughts are. And if you don't know, that's fine. It's pure speculation, but of the fun fact with unhappy couples, I'm wondering how many of those people are unhappy within their partnerships because so many people are unhappy back to that relationship with self Mm. unhappy because of who they are and the life that they're living, you know, within the partnership. Yes. But even if they remove themselves from it, would they be happy? I'm curious if that was a part of the study or not. It wasn't, but it 1000% makes sense because when we are in these relationships, 
it's very easy to scapegoat and say, I'm unhappy in this relationship because of you. And therefore I'm unhappy in my life because of you. But we have to understand that, you know, most relationships, at least where you and I live, we are choosing to be in these relationships. No one is forcing us. I am choosing my partner. I'm choosing my relationship. I'm choosing the life that I'm living. One thing that we have to really understand is that when we get into relationships, we have to understand what compatibility means. A lot of times people think, oh, we're compatible because we both like tennis and our favorite color is yellow. And it's like, okay, that's great. But we have to go deeper into compatibility. Do we share the same common vision? Do we share the same values, boundaries, expectations, and goals for the relationship and the life that we're creating together? If you are talking about your partner saying, oh, he's such a jerk, she's, you know, she's so stupid or, you know, all these negative things, the question is, well, why would you pick someone so stupid? And (laughs) right, because you chose that person. So every time you complain about your partner, you're also complaining about an element of yourself because you are choosing to be in this relationship. And a lot of times, um, you know, this is really important for people to understand When we are in something called relationship ambivalence, should I stay or should I go? I'm not sure because I love my partner, um, but the relationship is toxic. And so what do we tend to do? We will leave that relationship and then we will go find someone else. So the question that I ask people if they're sort of in this middle ground is that, is it the person or is it the relationship? If it's the person, you know, you simply don't like the characteristics of this person. You don't love this person. You don't find them interesting. The two of you are not compatible. But that's actually the least of the problem in the relationship. Most of the time, the problem is not the person. The problem is the relationship. The two of you haven't learned those tools and techniques. You don't know how to create a thriving relationship. So what do we do? We tend to switch out the person, right? It's him. It's her. You know, I, I, I don't like this person. They created this toxic relationship. I'm tired of them. I'm going to be single. And then I'm going to find someone else. You fall in love again and you find yourself right back where you were before. Right. And that's why we have so many relationships after relationship, after relationship, marriage, after marriage, after marriage, because we keep switching out the person, not realizing that the two of us together don't know how to create a thriving relationship. So it's not the person, it's the relationship. So once we understand that, we can understand, okay, we have work to do. Even if we're, you know, part of those three out of five people, and even the two out of five who, you know, probably don't have the thriving, thriving relationship we're talking about, is that we can learn together as a couple. Okay, we've never been taught how to do this. We're sort of just winging it. But hey, there's an opportunity here to raise that bar, to create this amazing relationship without fighting, without boredom about negativity, and then create through that this amazing life together. And that will affect your personal relationships with friends, family, coworkers, children, literally everyone that you come across. You can have those beautiful interactions with people because you understand how relationships work. Yep. I, I have seen that play out live for sure. Like that's so real. And I think something that I've recognized that comes into play with that. I'm curious what your thoughts are is there's a, there's a level of accountability that comes in when you're willing to actually step up and learn about this stuff is, is that recognition almost that I'm playing an active role in this. It's not all you, it's not all the relationship. It's I'm not educating myself either. 
And I also recognize that I haven't been showing up in my fullest integrity or in the way that I want to. And I think that's really challenging for people, especially like live in an argument, a really passion-filled argument to take accountability and say like, oh, I'm I'm part of the reason that this is happening right now. <laughs> um, so I don't know if you play with accountability at all in yours, but that that's been a big piece of my conflict resolution within relationships that's come up. And what you were just talking about kind of made me think about that element of it. 1000%, 1000%. This is part of the self-awareness aspect and self-management aspect is who am I? How am I responding in my relationships? How am I responding within myself? Do I know myself? Do I know my value system? Am I living on purpose? Am I making those right decisions in those moments? 1000%. When people come to me, as a couple, most of the time they'll sit down and I'll say, okay, what is, you know, what is it that you're struggling with in, in your relationship? What's the problem? And they'll sort of point their finger at each other and say, he's the problem. No, she's the problem. Right. And this is, this is, again, this is going back to that science. This is a self-protection mechanism. As humans, we can't help it. We have to be conscious and aware that we're doing this because by nature, this is what we do. We protect ourselves. I'm going to blame everyone else and every other thing in the world, but I'm not going to take accountability. It's not my fault, right? That victim mentality, it's not my fault. It's just what happened to me. And so we protect ourselves in that way because we don't want to show up and say, I'm weak. I'm ignorant. So we have to recognize that. And we have to recognize that, yes, there's a lot of things I'm ignorant towards and that's okay. There's a lot of room to grow. There's opportunity here. You know, every problem is an opportunity to grow. So I can expand my whole existence and I can have this amazing, fun, vibrant life if I recognize where am I ignorant? Where do I need to grow? What is it that I truly want? What is my value system? And then taking those steps every single day. And when you slip up, because you will a million times, recognize well, first of all, congratulations to me because I'm putting in the work. I'm trying. You know, you can only fail if you try. And so showing yourself a lot of compassion, a lot of love, a lot of those elements that, you know, we talk about in relationship intelligence about giving to other people. You also want to give that to yourself. Give yourself compassion for not having all the answers and not being able to, you know, do everything perfectly because you haven't been taught. But now that you're listening to this, you can say, okay, this is my opportunity. I know that there's that space where I can learn. And now I'm going to take that step and, and learn these tools and techniques so that I can really just enjoy life. You know, that's for me, that's the whole reason why we're here is to have an experience. And too many people are suffering. Too many people are, are suffering. You know, we say pain happens in the body, suffering happens in the mind. There's no need for suffering. Suffering becomes a choice when you know that there's another option. And it's not easy. You know, running a marathon is not easy. I, I haven't done it yet. Maybe maybe I will one day, but I imagine it's very, very hard, <laughs> right? But the people who do it recognize that it's worth it. You know, the people who change their life and they they get on this different existence, they vibrate you know, at a higher frequency, they're al they're alive and they're living on purpose. They're enjoying life. They're suffering less. It's when they understand the inner workings of their mind and how they relate to other people. 
I love that you're speaking about it in this way, because I think it goes back to your earlier message of how compassion is such a huge piece of the journey. When you are inevitably making mistakes because you're a human, to your point, like, yes, you're going to probably catch yourself at times, whether through relationships or otherwise, when you do decide to live on purpose, you know, falling back into old patterns or whatever it may be. And compassion for other people is essential, but it is also essential to have that compassion for yourself. And I think it's it's a critical component in relating with other people too, just because like the self-compassion piece is a critical component to relating with other people because it allows you to, you know, extend it to other people more easily. And in my experience, at least when you're able to extend it to yourself, because that's often much more challenging. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Oh my gosh. I could talk to you for a really long time about all of this, but I do want to give you a chance to actually tell people where they can find you and how to work with you and the ways that you are currently supporting people. So please share. (laughs) I'm obviously going to put things in the notes section, but what are you doing right now? How can people work with you and, and how can they find you? Yes. So I do work with individuals and couples. I work with people at every stage of their life working on that relationship with themselves. So I have a program called the Monthly Empowerment Program where I teach people how to begin to live on purpose and to be able to master that self-awareness and that self-management so they can be in control of their minds and essentially in control of their life. I also work with couples in my Power Couple PhD program, which is a three-month program where I teach them everything they have to know about relationship intelligence. So they can really understand that relationships are there to be fun and exciting and supportive and beautiful, not to hold them down and make them frustrated. So people can find me on Instagram and Facebook. It's Riley Molinario. So if you can spell my name, you can find me. <laughs> it's in the notes and, section. So don't worry. <laughs> yes, just check the spelling just in case. Um, and then I have a continuous contest on my website, rileymolinadio.com, where people can enter to win one free month of relationship coaching. I love giving back. So if you would like to enter to win, you just go to rileymolinadio.com, pop your email into that pop up window, and you will be entered to win. Amazing. That's so generous of you also. Ah, yay. Okay. Well, I loved this. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom today. I think it's so important to actually emphasize what a big role relating to other people plays in obviously not just relationships, but just life in general and the quality of life that we're here to live. So I appreciated this. I know the listeners will too. Definitely reach out to us. If you guys did like this, let us know and I will see you guys on the next one. Thanks, Riley. Thank you.